Welcome back to this week's episode of the Humans of Education podcast. I'm thrilled to share with you this show with Mr. George Kuros. He is an amazing educator, a passionate leader, and we go deep on his journey into education, including when he was a spin class instructor. We talk about the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, and its impact on him. We talk about happiness, success, him being a parent, and so much more. I hope you guys enjoy the show. But before we kick into it, as always, the Humans of Education podcast is brought to you by our Teacher Fit Partner Schools. Each week, Teacher Fit partners with schools around the world to provide mindfulness, fitness, yoga, and nutrition content for all of their staff and students. If you want to learn more, check out the show notes after you listen to the show. Hit us up and we'll get you taken care of. All right, guys, let's get to it. Enjoy this episode of the Humans of Education. Welcome back to the Humans of Education podcast. We've got an amazing guest this week. I'm excited to dive in. Welcome to the show, Mr. George Kuros. Hey, thank, it's awesome. It's great to talk to you a little bit before, and I'm, I'm excited to do this. And I, I really appreciate uh, saying to you before the, the title of this podcast, and I think it's really good to, you know, it's good to talk education and stuff like that, but really focusing on, you know, the human aspect of like who we are as people. I really appreciate that. I think it's something that we need to put a more spotlight on. So I appreciate that you're actually doing that. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to have you on. And like, like you said, we were just chatting before. I think it's so important to dive in to the human aspect of educators. You know, educators have really been in the limelight uh, in 2020 with everything going on. And, you know, I think a lot of people outside of education, I'm not historically in education, but we don't really look at who they are as people. We're like, oh, they have this role to educate my child and that's it. And then we, we forget that they have kids and they have dogs and they're athletes and they, they love these other things. And I, I love learning about that aspect of people. So that's awesome. So obviously you are doing so many things in education. You have a podcast, you're an author, you're a speaker, you're a blogger. Give us a short rundown of who you are outside of education. How would you explain yourself outside of that world? Well, the, the first thing I would say is I'm a dad. Um, so like everything that I do always comes back to my two daughters. And we just actually, I, I like feel horrible saying this. I had an awesome 2020. Uh, we welcomed a daughter into the world, right? Which like, there's nothing better in the world than, you know, having a child. And so like, it's like almost like I don't want to tell people because I, you know, because I know how hard it is. And I think, right. you know, finding gratitude uh, in some of those things that are maybe good in our lives isn't about being selfish. It's actually, I think, more about being selfless. To like, hey, I can find these good things. So it makes me actually better able to help uh, other people. Um, I've, I've been in education for 20 plus years. I've done everything from kindergarten, grade 12, vice principal, principal, central office. Uh, but I'm like, like you said, I am a person who happens to be a teacher, not a teacher that happens to be a person. Right. That. I think that's something, uh, we think about, and I'm, I'm really into, uh, into sports. I'm really into basketball. I'm really into music and when I was teaching, I'll, I'll, those things were very well known about me with my students, which actually made me connect better with my students. Right. And right. Uh, I've actually played against, you know, I, I'm in Canada. Uh, I played against 
basketball against, you know, kids that went on to winning the national championship in Canada. And they, you know, they never beat me. I beat them. So like, technically I'm a national champion, even though they were like, <laughs> do we have proof of that? Is there, is there any proof? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. And then like, as soon as they, I felt like, Hey, they're getting a little too old. I'm like, Hey, we, we better not play. I don't want to hurt you kind of going on to big things. Right. So, but you know, when they were 10, I dominated them. So yeah, like I used to, you know, do that. But yeah, you, if you, uh, you'll see on my Instagram, there's like some educational stuff, but you'll see stuff with my kids. You'll see, I like have, uh, a little bit of a shoe fetish. So people are making fun of me cause I'm really into basketball shoes and things like that. And there's like a whole culture around that. Yeah. So I try to do a, a, a lot of different things, uh, in my life that I find interest in. And I think what's really important to me is I always try to take a look at these outside things and think about like, Hey, how does this actually apply to my work? How does this actually apply to education? And I think sometimes we get really caught up that everything education has to be like, hey, I, you know, I can't learn from a teacher unless, you know, I can only learn from teachers if I'm a teacher. I can only learn from principals. I'm like, well, you can actually learn from anybody uh, because we are the experts in our work. And how do you take those things outside, you know, those things that we learn? Like most of the best lessons uh, that I have uh, from, you know, being a student, I would say, or from my, my, my coaches. Uh, from my, uh, the, the people that run the fine arts programs in our schools. And so I'm like a big advocate of how important those things are in education. And it's really sad that a lot of places, a lot of kids are not getting those opportunities this year, yep. because I think that is why we went to school. I guess it makes us really look at like, what is actual learning look like in the classroom? Does it bring purpose or is school just about the other things? But yeah, like I, I, I I'm a pretty well-rounded, uh, person. I, you know, like I, I kind of, when I set my mind to something, I, I, I go all in. Like I remember one summer, I'm like, I want to learn to play guitar. And two weeks later, I'm, I'm playing guitar. Right. And uh, I'm, I'm just kind of like that. I maybe have a little bit of a, like a obsessive personality in that sense. But I think, yeah, I'm like really interested in, in learning and trying new things. So that's something that's really important to me. Yeah, I love that. And it's the perfect segue into something I really wanted to dive into. So as I've been following you and looking at your social social right. media, the thing I noticed, like first thing is how much you do share about you and your daughters yeah. and like photos all the time and you being a learner. I wanted to hear from you. What has being a parent taught you? Like, how have you grown as a human since yeah. you become a parent? Because we're all this individual, right? Before, as we're growing up, and we, we become adults prior to children, and I am not a parent yet. Yeah. But what, what have you learned and how have you changed since becoming that parent? I think I always think about this question because, um, like, I, my, I, I think Kalia was born, I was 41, right? Uh, so that's, that's our, our first child. I was 40, 41. So I was in my forties for sure. Right. Terrible. Like, why am I not being able to do this very simple math right now? <laughs> so yeah, I was, I was 40. And, uh, when, when she was born, like all these people talk about like, Hey, when you have a kid, like everything changes, your whole perspective on things changes. And I, I honestly, I can't say mine has, I can, what I can say. And I think, I think there's some age thing in there for me, right? right. Like I'm pretty, kind of set in my ways, yep. you know, have my belief system and all those other things. Right. Whereas like, uh, you know, 
40-year-old George is embarrassed of 30-year-old George, which is embarrassed of 20-year-old George, right? And I think that that's something, you know, we grow. I think what it's actually done is made me like more firm on my beliefs. Like, you know, what I really want, because uh, I've really talked about how we advocate that every kid has an opportunity to be successful in a way that's meaningful to them. So now I'm way more adamant about that, right? Because right. now I got, I got literal skin in the game, right? Like my, my daughters are going to go through that school system. So like I would, you know, obviously being a parent teaches you patience. I think, I think that as I got, you know, th this is weird. Like I was a principal for years and saw parenting right? I, when I had no kids, right? right and right. there was like a, like, I, I, you know, people will say, Oh, you don't have kids. So you don't really understand, which is the, like the worst thing you can say to a person, right? I just drives me crazy because we all have different perspectives and you don't know why I don't have kids. So it's probably not none of your business. Right. And I, I think that like, I saw all these things, I learned all these things from parents and how they interacted, how they interact with their child, how they interacted with me and the teachers and things like that. So I, I just, I have a lot of perspectives of this, but I really think about uh, the example that I set with my children and what I'm like, what they see, um, what they'll look back on that I'm sharing. And I like, I'm, I, I see kind of like when you say I share my kids a lot on social media, I think a lot of people see that as like kind of bragging on their kids, right? Like, and like, yeah, I love my kids. I'm very proud of my kids. Like, and I guess the one thing is that the stuff that I can become proud of, I didn't think I could be proud of, right? Like, right? Like, yeah pooping in the toilet. It was like, wow, I am like, I'm like, so good. <laughs> I'm the most proud father ever. Right. Little, you know, like little, little things like that, yeah. I guess, or those changes. And so I get, I get how people sometimes feel as bragging. What I'm actually looking at my social media, it's like an archive for my children in the future that they will go look back. And it's actually, and I don't know if many parents do this. I actually hashtag my kids' names. Yep on Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, I use tags when I write about them in my blogs so that at some point they could just look up that hashtag and see what did their dad share about them. And, yeah. and uh, I think part of that reason is because my father uh, was a really big tech person, you know, in my lifetime. And when I say big tech, like he was VHS instead of beta, like visionary person at that time. Right. And so like he had a big camcorder. And so I, uh, he passed away eight years ago this March actually. And to be able to go look back on videos is really meaningful to me and having, uh, creating that content, which is so much easier than it was for my parents is a way that I hope my kids look back they learn from me and they have access to more things. Cause I only have like, like, even though, um, even though my, my parents had took a lot of these videos, there's a sum up on YouTube, but, uh, seeing those things and seeing that stuff, I wish there was more. And I try to share kind of, and I'm always thoughtful of that, even on the things that I don't post about my children is like, I, my kids can look back at this, right? What am I, what am I being? And I, and people are, you know, like always challenged with social media, like, oh, it's not really authentic. I'm like, it's just context, right? Like if, if I get in an argument with someone, I don't think uh, doing it on social media is a place. I've just never been like that. And it's not an example I want it, that my kids to see at some point either, right. right? And those are conversations that I decide I want to have in private, things like that. And I always liken social media to ESPN, right? Like not not when they're playing games, but Sports Center, right? Like I get, I love basketball. It's hard for me to watch a whole game. I love watching highlights. Right. So it's not like it's not like I'm inauthentic when I share in those spaces. I'm just understanding context, and I'm very cognizant to not share things about children that they might find super embarrassing at some point. And of course, 
kids will find anything that their parents posted about them at some point embarrassing. It doesn't matter. Right. right. But you know, that would be obviously embarrassing. Like I'm not going to like, Hey, my kid crapped their pants. Here's a picture of that. Like, I'm not, I'm not that guy. I want to right. show those really moments I'm proud of that. I hope my kids are proud of as well. Yeah. I love the thought process behind that. Something that I've thought about a lot, a lot recently is like legacy and like people try to like build their own legacy. But yeah. I think back and I'm like, I don't even really know my grandparents. Like they all passed away when I was very young and there's no, there's not like good photos or video. And I can't like listen to a podcast with my grandfather about world war two. And that's something I would love to see or listen to. And something I want to do is interview my parents on a podcast, just like this, hopefully in person and be able to ask them questions about things that I don't know the answers to like, Hey, what were you like in high school? Or what was it like to have me as a child? Little questions like that. And I think the idea behind them having to just search a hashtag and see a history of you and their relationship or like, you know, your, you just, you, what you did when you were younger, I think is super cool. Yeah. Like I, like I told you, I was like, I'm super into basketball shoes. Right. And yep. uh, like a little too much to be honest with you. And I think, <laughs> I think, I think uh, no judgment. Right. I think, you know, COVID people have just started, you know, like Amazon shopping. Uh, but like I, when I get a pair of basketball shoes, it's like I'm really excited about it. And like just opening the box, especially if you get like a pair of Air Jordan ones, it's yeah. not just like the shoes. It's like the wrapping. It's all these other things. And uh, I started getting Kalia into it and she's four and a half and she loves it. So like I get a new pair of shoes like it's it's we like those do not get open until Kalia is here. Right. I love that. And we actually go through that and we did like, we've done a couple unboxing videos together cause she's really into YouTube yep. and you know, so we do it and she gives her a little commentary, which is so amazing to hear what she says. Like I'll like say like, Hey, what do you think of this? And you know, she'll be like, Hey, you know, uh, this shoe is exactly like this shoe, but it's for a different foot. Right. Like it is just like the, <laughs> like the best commentary. I'm like that, you know, that does totally make sense. You are right. And just, and just having those like little moments, but also kind of modeling how we interact online and being thoughtful of that is part of it too. But also that we can have those, you know, those moments as a, is a, you know, as like a parent and a kid. Right. I think yeah, that yeah. it's really important to me. Yeah. I love that. That's such a great story. Um, tying into that, obviously you've got, you've gotten to spend a lot of great time with your kids this past year. And that's been a positive experience for you, I think what you're, you're a constant learner. What are you, or what recently have you learned from your oldest daughter? Uh, what, actually, what is she I, actually I just, I shared a story about this. Right. And, um, I, uh, I, so when my, so I have been traveling literally for 10 years, uh, until like March, 2020. So I've been probably speaking from like, you know, 20, 2010 to 2020, I have not been home, uh, for a month straight in those 10 years, which is insane to me, right? Uh, thinking about that. And I haven't, you know, and I haven't, you know, traveled since March, 2020. Uh, maybe I think one time I had to go get my visa renewed in the United States and that was it, which is like a weird thing for me because I'm so used to getting on planes, things like that. And uh, then all of a sudden I'm home. And basically from zero to three, I, my daughter doesn't see me that often. Right. Which is hard. Right. And it's like, you, you all, you kind of understand your parents who like my parents are both immigrants to Canada, uh, to Greece, and they had very limited education. They worked literally seven days a week from like 8am to 10pm running a restaurant. And, uh, a lot of the struggle that I've had is my parents, 
uh, not being home all the time, but also like understanding part of the reason they weren't home all the time is because they were doing everything so I could have opportunities that they didn't. Right. Right. And so, you know, like there's always this balance of like, hey, I want to make sure my kids have opportunities that I didn't. uh, But also I want to be as present as possible. And uh, all of a sudden then I'm home all the time. And I would ask my daughter every night at dinner, like, hey, what was the best part of your day? And every day she'd say, daddy home. It's the best, like, it's the best answer. And like, at the beginning, it was like legit. That was the best part of every day. And then probably like two months in, it was like, she knew I liked hearing that. So she would just, <laughs> right. And yeah. And so like, it's kind of funny. So like, I, I love hearing it. I'm never going to get sick of that. But uh, I started changing, uh, you know, like I started asking her different questions. Like, you know, how, like, you know, tell me, like, how was your day today? And it's interesting because she would say like, today is the best day ever. Like, and she would say that and she's like, just every day is the best day. And she'd say that to me all the time. And just that enthusiasm she has. And I would say like, Clea, you know, that's awesome you're saying that. It's okay to have bad days. It's okay to, um, you know, have issues. Because I know today like you you wiped out and you were really hurt and you have this big scrape in your arm, you know, like that, did that not make your day worse? She's like, yeah, that was, that was like a bad moment, but I, every day for me is the best day. I'm like, just real. And so like, just seeing that from her, just seeing that like, Hey, yeah, of course we have crappy things in our day, but like how blessed we are to be here, like how blessed we are to uh, be with our families and things like that. And just that for me, cause I'm like, uh, it's in- interesting because people know me as sometimes people call me like overly optimistic, but I'm, a, I'm kind of a negative person in some ways, right? Like yeah, I can yeah. dwell on things. Uh, I can get really worked up about stuff, you know, linger on stuff too much. And she's kind of taught me like, Hey, bad things happen in a day. But like, I, I actually decide the tone of my day and yeah, it was good. It was, you know, but like still trying to balance her and saying like, it is okay to have bad days, but she's, she's on a streak so far that she hasn't had one yet. She just, no matter what happens, you know, um, what, what trouble she gets into, she, she always somehow at the end of the day, you can see it's just the best day ever. Cause she appreciates things that sometimes I take for granted. Yeah, that like blind optimism and blind gratitude for just being around and being around you is such a powerful thing. Um, another thing that like popped into my head is I think was, as we get older, we stop doing new things and we stop having learning as much. And like those types of highlights of every day are something that we forget. And I, I love hearing that and seeing that in in your daughter. That's great. I want to pull on the love for basketball real quick, just as a selfish question for myself because I'm a, I'm a lover of basketball as well I assume you watched the last dance you know you made reference to I have watched Shoes the last dance 15 times, times. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do a long run uh, we have a treadmill in the house yep and uh, I watch an episode of the last dance uh, every long run and That's then great. like I remember I, I got through it I'm like ah, oh, like wh- there's nothing <sighs> There's like what I can't watch anything else. Like there's nothing that's as good. So I'm like, I'll just do Start it, it <laughs> every week. I love yeah. it. Yeah, like it's like my little appointment with Michael Jordan. So yeah, I think there are so many things that we can take away. And people have had up and down reviews about you know his mindset on competition and interaction with individuals. What was something you took away for your life that you will continue to pull on for years to come? Well, okay. I gotta, I gotta just make a comment about the competition thing. Cause, cause there's like, I could actually tell you, I think it's the end of it's either episode five or episode six. Like I've legitimately watched this so many times. 
So there's that point where, because I'm like this too, right? And I actually can feel emotion when I talk about this. He says, like, he talks about how competitive he is and actually how, like, he, you could see he's struggling with it, right? Like, he's struggling with it because he's like, I, I know, like, if I want to win, you know, at the highest level, and like, there's that comment, like, basically, Michael Jordan is, is like the, the person who is the best at their job more than anybody at any job in the, ever, right? And to like be at that level. So he, you could see he's super competitive, but even in his older age, he struggles with it. Like he struggles how competitive he, and he knows that how he is. And I, I just, that was a really, um, that was a really powerful thing to me because like I, I really work hard. I, I, I wouldn't say I'm like, in some ways I'm competitive, but I'll help anybody. Like I'll do my best to help whoever I can. And so I, I, I understand that, but like, I have high expectations for myself. I have very high expectations of the people I surround myself with. And that could sometimes, you know, limit who you surround yourself with, to be honest with you on that end too. So I, I just, that was literally my favorite part. And he just says, uh, at the end of that episode, he says break. Like yeah, he's yeah. just, he like gets up. Cause he, you can see he's about to he's become emotional. a, he's doing it. He's like, I don't want to be crying meme part three. Right. So like, he doesn't want that to happen again. But there, I think it was like, it was either episode nine or episode 10. It was like near to the end. And they said the thing that Michael Jordan is the best at is he is so in the present moment. So like he is never worried about missing a shot because he missed the shot prior. It's like he is in that moment. He's not worried about losing a game because they lost the game prior. He is so in that present moment. And they actually said that's what's separated him from everyone else. And and that got and so like when you're looking at it from a life perspective, I think for me, one of the things is is that I that really made me think about how sometimes in my career, especially, is I'm was always looking like, hey, as soon as I became a vice principal, I started thinking about like, what about when I'm principal? As soon as I became principal, I'm like, hey, what's going to take me to become a superintendent? And I never became a superintendent because I tar- started going into like consulting and speaking and had talents there too. And I think that what I wish I would have done better, uh, you know, and I'm trying to do better right now is really just, hey, it's good to have those goals. It's good to have that, but just love where you're at right now. And I think that if you love where you're at right now, those things will actually come quicker, right? Those things will actually, because if you really appreciate where you're at, you probably do a way better job. Right. And, but a lot of times we focus so much on the future that we don't actually do as well where we are currently. So that for me was, there's a, like, I could talk about that. We should do a whole podcast on that series. For sure, I, for like, sure. I like, I'm literally referencing. Yeah. Like, Hey, remember at 28 minutes and 22 seconds. <laughs> Yeah. Like I, I've watched it so many times and it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it is. And I know I'm kind of going off on this. It is the best storytelling I've ever seen in any document. And I've watched a million documentaries. I love documentaries. Yep. The, the only one that I would even compare it to. And I was like the, was Ken Burns baseball. I don't know if you ever saw that. It was like 20 hours. It was like 10, two hour episodes. And it goes from like the beginning of baseball right up until 1993 uh, when actually the Toronto Blue Jays won. That was like the end of the series. And that was like probably one of my favorite uh, documentaries. And I got, obviously I like sports, but it just, it's amazing how many people were really into uh, the last dance that really didn't care about Michael Jordan growing up, right, weren't right. into sports. It's just amazing storytelling. 
Yeah, it was beautiful. I mean, it was like a culminating event for me in my basketball life. It was my first DVD, or maybe 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 even was VHS, but it was a Michael Jordan 360 DVD. Right. And like I watched that thing until it like wouldn't play anymore. But like seeing the emotion and really like the human, like the oh. epitome of this this podcast, like the human behind like his greatness and that that moment you were talking about when you can see like his eyes glassing over when he's talking about like okay. people were hurt by his level of competitive competitiveness and yep. that you know he can't do anything without the desire to be the right. best and how like he is still struggling with that as an older gentleman now is <laughs> just it, it's amazing to see and like you like i am super competitive love playing sports you know i was, I was in the wow. military love being the best at whatever we were doing and you know that is something that i struggle with but that that point oh. of being present the second thing you brought up of being present is so powerful and something that i think everyone does is like okay what's next what's next as yeah. opposed to just like sitting in the moment and having that gratitude and enjoyment of what you've accomplished yeah, the, the one the one thing, I don't know if you remember this, when you were talking about uh, the gambling, he's like, look, I don't have a gambling problem. I have a competition problem. You have a winning problem. <laughs> yeah, like he just, you know, he he's, he, everything is a competition with him. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, there is obviously some signs of success there, but, you know, you always have to ask like, at what cost, like, what are you losing out in that space too? And yeah, like it, it, it's, I, I appreciated that because I thought, I, I actually just thought he'd be like, look, that's how I am and too bad. But you can see, and I just, like you said, that human aspect of, you know, like we, we want success. We want to find those things, but we, it's, we have to always like, we have to look at what are the things that we do in our lives, but we also have to ask like, what are we not doing because of this too? And we give up things. Right. And I think right. a lot of people, um, you know, they, they've, a lot of people saw me speaking, doing all these things in education and they're like, I want to do, I'm like, are you willing to like not be around your family for years? Like, yep. is that you know, like that's, it's not easy. It's, it's hard to deal with. Right. And I'm very blessed to what I do, but I think a lot of people see one aspect of it, but they don't see what you have to, not only what you have to do, but what you have to give up and that's hard. Right. And right. you know, I think COVID has recalibrated me on like, Hey, am I willing to miss out on as much as I did? Right. Whereas it just kind of was what I did. And, you know, I, I think that if Michael Jordan can look back and reflect and like wonder about that, I think I should be able to, too. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a, such a powerful conversation and using that reference is something that I love. So I appreciate that, that, uh, that commentary switching gears a little bit to your health journey, yep. you know, being the founder of teacher fit, I definitely wanted to hit on this. Talk me through kind of where you are in your journey, why it started. Give me, give me the details on that. Well, okay. So if we're, if we want to know the journey, this could be a while because this goes back. Right. So like I was, so got time, I, uh, so I actually played hockey when I was like five, right. Cause I'm Canadian. And like, if they, if you don't, they kick you out. Like right. that's after you, like, you got to go to the U S right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I played hockey when I was a kid and uh, I was a pretty chubby kid. And I actually remember you'll, you, you'll probably get a kick out of this. Uh, there is myself and another kid and we were legitimately like the biggest, slowest kids. Right. And, uh, and like hockey at five is super competitive. I don't know if it's, I, I don't know like the equivalent, um, you know, I think it's what pop Warner football. I don't know if that's a thing anymore. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. even at the younger ages in some places, it's super competitive, really young. And like, I was like getting benched, you know, when I was like seven. Cause you know, it wasn't about just like being introduced to the game. It was like always like win at all costs kind of thing. Right. 
And the reason I bring up there is myself and another kid, we were like the slowest. And then I actually ended up quitting. He stuck with it. His name's Brendan Witt. And he was actually ended up being the captain of the Capitals and had like a 15 year career. So I'm like, oh, if I just would have stayed, right? Like <laughs> you know, we, I, I could have been Brendan, right? And yeah, he's someone that uh, I grew up with. But yeah, I really struggled. Um, I've always had struggle with my weight. Uh, I actually quit hockey because I remember I was we were coming back from a tournament and I got teased so mercilessly about being a heavier kid that I told my mom, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I, I, I don't get to play. I then we come home and I'm so like that, that I can still like, we even talking about that, I can still feel that. And it's like really important to me. It's actually like, I, I think sometimes we look at those bad experiences and I think, I actually think it's like, I try to say like, Hey, it's good that happened to me because now I don't want to, I want to make sure no kid feels that. Yeah. Right. That, that's me. Cause, cause it stuck with me for years. And so, um, then like, so I'm a pretty chubby kid and then blessing of genetics, I lose weight when I'm like in grade eight and grow like six inches. So all of a sudden I'm like, you know, a skinnier kid, you know, and now I'm a basketball player into this and I've always kind of had these ups and downs. Right. So like there is a time where, you know, I was someone in good shape, you know, when I was in high school, played, you know, pretty much every sport, then university, big change in my life, started to put on weight. Then, you know, at the end of university, you know, lose it and then start my teaching career, gain it. And then, you know, have a couple of years and then I lose it. And I, I've always like struggled with my health. And the, the thing that, uh, this might shock you and like talk about like humans of, of, of education. So when I was a vice principal and a principal, uh, every morning before I uh, actually went to school, I taught a spin class. So I actually taught a spin class. So like I was the calmest principal ever because I would scream and yell at people. Like I'd get all that on at 7 a.m. Yeah. So like, you know, anything could happen. I'm like, yeah, it's all good. Like, you know, I'm pretty calm with this. And I actually was talking about this just yesterday. I was offered a position. I really wanted to be a principal and I was offered a position to be a principal at a school that was about an hour away from my, um, from where I lived and I wasn't going to move. So if I was to take that, I wanted it, I wanted to be a principal so bad. If I would have taken that, I couldn't have teach, I couldn't teach spin anymore. And what I, I, I remember talking to my superintendent at the time and I said, I know that this is what I've said I wanted, but if I have to give up, doing this stuff, I will not be as effective. I, I, I just won't. And so I, I, I'm going to have to decline knowing that I might not get this opportunity again. Right. And she's like, oh, it's pretty gutsy. Like, it's pretty gutsy that you're doing this. And then, and then luckily enough, two months later, I got a job where I could do both uh, in the same district. And like, that was really important to me because being, you know, trying to be healthy and then you know, so I'm like really, you know, I'm pretty good. You know, I'm pretty fit at the time. I'm teaching spin literally six, seven days a week. Uh, I work out after school, always have this. And then change happens again. And then I'm on the road. And then when you're on the road, you're you're like, you know, like daylight savings time is such a, like the easiest thing for me to deal with because I would like go from time zone to time zone to time zone. Right. What I just learned, like the beautiful thing about not actually having to set a clock, like physically do it go to bed at whatever time it is and you wake up at whatever time it is and you just, that's it. The, just go by your phone. Like that's it. Right. 
Cause I would just do time zone, time zone, time zone. And I would figure this out. So then you're eating crappy on the road. You're like working out. Uh, and then, you know, started slowly putting on weight, putting on weight, putting on weight, putting on weight. And I've, there has never been a time where I haven't worked out never, ever, but I've been terrible with eating. And, uh, you know, like I even, I think during COVID I was like, I'm going to dedicate myself to more working out. So I probably in like January of 2020 before COVID, I was like really working out and then COVID happened. I'm still working out. And I think I gained like 30 pounds working out every single day. So then I started to say like, Hey, I'm going to, I got to do something different here. So I actually, there's these like targeted YouTube ads Mm -hmm. and, uh, I got an ad for this thing called the Lumen. And the, the, I don't know, have you heard of this? Do you, have you ever seen Uh, this? The name sounds familiar, but I'm I'm not sure the principles. So, so basically what it does, like the whole thing is you, it's like a little device that you like literally blow into and it says to you, Hey, here's, here's like what's happening with your metabolism today because of this here's what you know you should eat. And it's not like you should eat bacon and eggs. It's like you should have X amount of proteins. Today, you should have X amount of carbohydrates. And so it was good for me. And like people will ask me like, hey, does that Lumen thing work? I'm like, it works for me because it gives me a mentality of what I got to do in that day for eating, right? But I don't like blow my weight out into it. Like that's not how it works, right? Because people, I think, want the Quick like fix. what what's the thing that you can like just plug into your body and will suck the weight out, right? And so for me, it was it worked. And like I said, it works for me because I'm not hungry in the morning. I've never been hungry in the morning. I'm like a big breakfast skipper, so I'm not don't consult your doctor. I'm not saying do that at all. That just I've never done that. Uh, it, I don't I don't know why. I'm just not a hungry person in the morning. And I like to work out. So it kind of says like, Hey, you should be eating this many vegetables, things like that. So I started doing that. Um, but then it asked me and said, Hey, we got to like, uh, what's your weight? And I'm like, I don't know. I think it's this. Cause I hadn't stepped on a scale in a long time. And the reason I hadn't stepped on the scale is cause I didn't want to face it. And I knew right, this right. and you know, I stepped on the scale and was like, I think 40 pounds heavier than what I thought I was, which was like, daunting and it was it was hard it was really a big struggle for me because i you know i kind of this perception is like oh i'll just see how my clothes fit and then but then you know my clothes didn't fit and then i buy bigger clothes i'm like these clothes fit great right like you you play those games and so i think kind of like that lumen kind of started it off because it kind of gave me a plan but then when i had to do the, the the scale it gave me some like okay now you have like measurements now you have right. to figure this out. So I, I think for me, the last little while I've been really changed and I'm not like, I'm not like keto or doing something that I, I, I eat food. I like every day. Um, I'm better at proportion or portions size and things like that. And I'm doing things that are sustainable. And like, I, I, I'll, you know, I've lost so far 80 pounds. Like I think I'm two, my goal was to lose 80 pounds. I'm two pounds away. And uh, from that, and that's my first goal. And then I have a second goal and you know what those things are. I just kind of break it down in the chunks. And the thing that I always worry about, you know, like how come I fell out of this at some point, right? And you, hopefully I'm like older and saying, okay, I learned this is time. Don't forget this, right? And it's really trying to make those life changes as opposed to doing something that is, you know, just a temporary thing to lose weight now and then put it right back on. So yeah, it's been good. I feel like it's interesting because I'm like about to turn 46 
And a lot of the things that I was struggling with, I just attributed to being old, right? Like, oh, my knees are really sore because I'm old, right? Like I'm having my back sore because I'm old. But all of a sudden these things have started to go away, right? And I'm like, oh, maybe it was, maybe it was just, I wasn't, you know, and, and everyone's like in a different place in their journey. And like, you know, I, like I said, I've always worked out. I've always actually enjoyed working out. And it, it's frustrating to look at some pictures and say like, I can't believe I looked like that. And I was like working out two hours a day. But it is, uh, yeah, it is that I, I hate to, I hate to admit it because I didn't want to is like how much eating matters, right? Like yeah, what you eat matters. Yeah. Unfortunately it is a hundred percent, right? Like it, it's such a big deal. Right. Yeah. And, but that was like, you know, I, I think when I was younger, I could like, Hey, I can eat like crap. Cause I'll be able to work it off. But that is the one thing about getting older that does not, that does not equate the same when you, when you get a little bit older. Yeah, it definitely gets harder and harder. And the big takeaway for anyone who's on their own health journey is that comment you made about building sustainable habits, something yeah. that works for you long term, right? We can all we can all try to get the quick fix, but like you said, you're going to ebb and flow up and down, and sooner or later, it's going to catch up. So I appreciate you sharing that whole journey because I think a lot of people will connect and relate mm -hmm. to the, almost the exact same story. Real quick, pulling on a little of the emotions connected to that first time on the scale when you stepped on and it was 40 pounds heavier than you thought it was going to be. What, what was that immediate emotion that you felt or multiple emotions? Well, the, the thing is, is that the 40 pounds heavier than what I thought it was be would be plus what I thought it would be was still, I thought would be not good. Right. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it was like, Oh, it's worse than what you think. Right. And it was, it was, it was like, it was, you, you feel like I felt a lot of shame because I was like, how, what happened? And actually, I don't, I have no idea where I heard this. Like, honest to God, I have no idea where I heard this. If I read it, I, maybe it was in my head, but it was like something that said, Hey, it took you like a long time to get into this mess. Yep. It will not take you as long to get out. And it's true. Like it, like my weight had just like slowly, you know, you, and then all of a sudden, and then you're at this point and right, it's like, right. I have lost weight way quicker than what I, how I put it on. Right. And that, that to me, I remember that. And, uh, yeah, like it was, it was humbling. I can, I literally can see, uh, like I actually went on the scale, saw it, went and laid down. Like I like was so upset and I tend to like, be like a sleeper when I suffer with some, you know, my, some depression. And, uh, and then the next day I'm like, okay. And I actually went and, um, I wrote down my weight, uh, what it was. And then I wrote where I want to be. And I wrote it like very separate and I break down my, like, I, I break it down into like, um, habits, medium goals, or short goals, medium goals, and long-term goals. So like, what are my habits every single day? What are the things that I do every day? Uh, and like my short-term goal, like I right now have a goal of like, hey, walk X amount of steps. Like you have to get this many steps in. Every week, I'm gonna bump it up by 100, right? And then once I get to a certain point, I'm gonna change it and say like, hey, I wanna do X. So I got those goals. And um, my, my like, uh, my, and then I like have the goal of like, I wanna lose two pounds of weight, uh, 
um, a week, which is like a sustainable, healthy change, healthy weight. Like you don't want to lose five or 10. Right. So sometimes I lose three, sometimes I lose one. Typically I lose two. Right. And I, I like, I do weigh myself every day. Cause I think it's like kind of keeps me in check. I do actually have days where I have Friday night, I eat crappy. And if I don't, I will eat, I'll just fall into it. Right. Yep. And it's good. Cause I, once that I do it once a week, I always, so I do it Friday night. I always feel disgusting Saturday and I'm like, Ugh, I don't like feeling like that. <laughs> but then I'm like, you know, I'm like, yeah, like it's, it, it's a good way for me to do it. And like some people are like, you should never have a cheat meal, whatever. That's you do whatever works for you and I'll do what works for me. And I think that's right. the thing that's really important to me is like, I'm just trying to say like, Hey, here's what worked for me. And you got to like figure out what are the parts that work for you? Not like if you do my journey, this will happen. 100%. Um, and so, so I got that, uh, you know, two goals or two pounds a week. And then I, I weigh myself, like then I record my weight on the first of every month. So I can like, see like how I progress because some days you're like, how come I went up point two? Like what happened there? And it's usually water or things like yeah, that. Yeah, and that can discourage you and you could do anything. So then it lets me see a little bit longer term goals. And then my long term goal is like, Hey, I want to be at this weight. And I've kind of decided like by this date, which is my birthday, which is coming up, but I'm very close to doing those things. So like, I think that for me was really helpful is like, Hey, what are the habits? What are the things that I have to do to get here? How do I keep myself accountable on the short term, medium term and long term? But that, that first time, I think if I did, there's no way I would have done what I've done if I didn't actually have that seeing that. And it was humbling. Like it was hard for me. I, like I, like I, like I'm legit. I, I don't think I was on a scale for like five or six years. Like there's no way. And I would listen, I don't need that. Just, yep. you know, how I close feel. And maybe, and maybe that's you. Some people say like, Hey, that I, I, I actually determined by that, but it did help me because it was just made it. I, there's something about weight where you're doing those things. Like when you're, you know, when you're trying to lose weight. And I think one of the big uh, pushes for me too was COVID. And when I say that, one of the things, and again, not a doctor, just what I'm reading, but um, obesity is actually one of the big risks if Absolutely. to get COVID. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, okay, so I'm like, I'm in the obese factor right now. And I have two daughters. So I like, I got to lower this risk. I want to be a, a lot uh, around as long as possible. And like I said, I'm not a doctor. That's just, you know, maybe I read it off there. I don't know if you can tell me, I think that that is true, right? Like obesity is like yes, a, yeah. the CDC a recently thing. came out with updated information that, and I, again, we're not doctors, but I think it was somewhere in the range of like 90% of people who experienced extreme hardship with COVID had were obese yeah. or overweight. And that's just, I mean, that's a sign of our, our populace, both U S and Canada is yeah. 65 to 75% of every adult is obese or overweight. But I mean, it's a huge indicator because you're already, your immune system is suppressed and your body is working harder than it needs to just to sustain everyday life. And then yeah. you hit it with something else, you're already at a disadvantage. So yeah. I mean, that, it's a great connecting point. So that was, that was like, that was a scary thing for me. Like that was, because this is not just about like, 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 you know, when I was younger and I lost weight, I'm like, Hey, I just want to look better. Like, right. Like, Oh, do you feel healthier? I'm like, who cares? Like I look better. <laughs> right. But now it's like, yeah, like I, of course I, you know, I'm not going to pretend that I don't like there, I feel better because I feel I look better, but it is about my kids, right? Like I want to be around as long as possible. That to me is really important. And, uh, yeah, that like, 
I think one of the best ways I can, I can make the world better is being a good dad. Like I legitimately believe that. So that doesn't happen if I'm not, if I'm not actually able to be a dad, if I'm not actually on this earth to do that. So that that's very important to me. Yeah. hundred percent. And I, I love the fact that you were vulnerable enough to say, like, I felt shame when I stepped on the scale yeah. and like, sadly, or maybe not sadly, it's sometimes it takes that feeling, those emotions connected to motivate us to the point to actually take action. So I commend you for feeling that and then directing it in a way to make change and you're down 80 pounds is amazing. Something you recently posted as well was the importance of taking time to be proud of yourself and yeah. little aspects of your life. What are you proud of yourself for in this week? Today's Thursday. What are yeah. you proud of yourself for? Well, that came actually, I, so I'm, it's funny. It comes back to the last dance. So I did like a, so I do like little shorter runs during the week. And then on uh, like, I, I actually, one of the things I do, I, and I've never done this before when I've lost weight. Cause I've lost weight several times right. to be honest with you. And it's just like, I'm not genetically, I'm not the guy that can eat whatever I want. Right. But I've always done it through running. Right. So I run, but this time I've actually been lifting weights. And I, I don't do as much running and like, there's a lot of research on the importance of like lifting weights, but I, I, I actually really like running. I've always loved long distance running. I've actually run several marathons. Uh, you know, uh, I remember I ran my first marathon. I was like, I ran it in 420. I, and w- the weird thing is, uh, <laughs> cause I'm so naive to this. Uh, I start running and I'm like, I'm going to run a marathon. And then I just sign up for a marathon. Didn't do a 5k. 10k i'm just like i like and i just didn't know i just figured like oh those are the races because i wasn't like in that running culture so i ran my first marathon uh in 420 and six months later i ran a second marathon in 318 like which is insane i finished 10th overall in the in the yeah which is like like i told you i have an obsessive i have an obsessive personality right and uh yeah i've actually always really liked running i've always been very good even even at my heaviest I like my cardio is ridiculous. I don't understand why it just, I can go long distances, you know, um, do, doing different things, playing basketball for years, you know, running up and down the court. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I, I had finished a run. I was like watching the last dance, you know, on the treadmill I'm running and I finished and I like looked at my time. I'm like, I'm proud of you. Right. And I, and I was just like, it was like an out of body experience. Like it was like, it was like someone else talking to myself. And it was like, yeah, I like, I'm so quick to say that to other people. I never have said that to myself. Like I've never just stopped and said, good job, George. Right. Yep. And I think, I think that to me was a really important aspect of, of actually of thinking about how we do that. Like we give some of our best advice to other people and we don't take it ourselves. We give kudos to other people. We don't give it to ourselves. And so like, if you're just looking at this week, I think for me, what I'm proud about is that, uh, I'm, I'm learning better when I don't necessarily see the results in a day that I'm better at rebounding and just kind of saying like, they all come just, mm-hmm. just be patient with this. And like, I'm not like obsessively weighing myself six times a day, but I weigh myself every day. Uh, which is, which I actually like, you know, cause I've done a lot of reading on this. That's one of the things that helps people to lose weight is if you actually keep an accountability right. uh, to this, but like, you know, some days you get, you're holding a little bit more water. Right. And it's like, you see it, you don't, you're like, you, you can't just flush it out of your body, like, you know, on your own, uh, in a healthy way. So it's like, Hey, you know what? 
it's, it will come just, just be patient. And I think I'm getting better at that as I go through this process. Right. But I, I think as I'm looking at all this stuff, what matters to me is I have way more energy for my kids, which I did not have. Uh, I used to nap every day. I, I, I can't do it. Like it's like a, it's like a Greek thing a little bit too. Uh, my parents are from Greece and like, it's so hot, you know, people nap, uh, you know, it's kind of like, I think siesta, I think, right. you know, um, but it's not called that obviously, but you know, it's so hot that people don't go outside at a certain point. They just take right. naps. Right. So my parents always were nappers and stuff like that. And I just, I've always done that, but I, I can't do that. And yeah, no, it's, uh, it's good. I actually would say one thing I'm proud of is, uh, I, so I've been home and I just don't have the patience for like kids movies. Right. I, I, I just can't do it. So like, I can't, <laughs> I can't do it. Like I got like a cartoon limit. Uh, so I started like just getting my daughter into like, you know, Kalianta like stuff that, you know, maybe is a little bit too over, but I'm with her and I'm like talking her through it. And, you know, uh, but she, I was like really into WWF, right. I was really into WWF and, uh, we used to, so I grew up in the small town in Canada and they had those like championship belts. Right. And like, you'd see them on TV. There's, I'm not getting this. There's no internet. Like, there's no, there's no place that's holding the WWF belts where I grew up in like a town of five thousand people. <laughs> so we, I started getting Kalia into like PlayStation WWE, right? And so she can, she's good at it. She's actually can beat me. And uh, I had to go pick some stuff up, and I was at Walmart, and I walked by. I'm like, here's a championship belt. It's twenty five bucks. So I picked it up, and I said, we're playing WWE tonight, and it's for the championship belt. And I pulled it out, and she, and I was just like. She, she won it and she's just proud. She took it, like hung it over her bed. She's like wearing it in the morning. Like, <laughs> I, I, it was like a really proud dad moment. It was like cool because, you know, it was something I really liked as a kid. And uh, and just just kind of seeing her like those same things. I don't yeah, know any yeah. of the wrestlers now. I'm like a Hulk Hogan yeah. Macho Man guy. Yep. But uh, yeah, it's it just... I think for me, just having those moments with her that, you know, you know, some people are like, are you playing violent games with your kid? I'm like, I'm with my kid, right? That's what's important. About this stuff, right? It's like, my kid's going to see things in their life. And I'm glad that I'm there directing, you know, saying like, hey, this isn't appropriate. This is good. As opposed to her just later on kind of navigating that on her own. So like, yeah, she, she loves it, right? And she'll like uh, pop in the morning, uh, you know, while I'm sleeping. And... <laughs> Best way to wake up. She'll come up off the top rope and just you know <laughs> elbow me. Yeah, it's yeah, it's just funny. And she's she's like really into it. And it just it's like weird. Like I said, I got like my kid off the top rope, elbow smash. He's like, I'm I'm so proud of this kid. Oh, such a great dad moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have I have I have arrived as a parent. Yeah, totally. That's great. Yeah. All right, a couple quick hitter questions that I ask all the guests that come on the show. I want to hear your responses. The first one is what subject is not currently taught in education that every student should receive? Uh, financial literacy, 100%. Financial literacy, every, like, we, uh, we, like, the the one thing that people need to really understand is that if you don't actually understand how money works, it's really hard to get out of poverty. It's really hard to understand this. And I think that, uh, like, I, I know a lot of schools are doing this more now than ever but it can't be like how to write a check. Like I'm not talking right, about right. that stuff. I'm talking about like basic, like, Hey, what's compound interest? Like what happens if I start investing? How do I actually, you know, take money out of my check even, you know, and what does that actually lead to long-term? I think yep. that is a really important component. And 
is, you know, I, I was, I was challenged by someone who just graduated, you know, like, do we seriously need calculus? And I'm like, some kids do, I don't think, but I think every kid needs financial literacy and he hundred percent agreed with it. And there's like a really, uh, there's a really funny, I actually just literally posted this, uh, on my last blog and it's like, I'm sure glad I learned parallelograms because they really helped me through parallelogram season. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it's like, yeah, like you, like I, the stuff I like, I got into huge financial issues when I was in, and maybe that's why the bias is there. Uh, I was offered a credit card literally my first day of uh, post secondary. And I'm like, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll take a credit card. And then they gave it to me and I had like a $500 limit, spent like a hundred bucks. And they said, Hey, you got to pay 10 bucks of this. I'm like, no, nah, I'll pay you back when I have it all. Cause I just thought they would appreciate that. Like right. who wants, who wants just 10 bucks? I'll give them a hundred bucks. The whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that for three months, didn't pay even the minimum payment. And then my credit score was like destroyed for seven years and like, couldn't get a house, all those other things. And it wasn't, my parents just didn't have the understanding that, you know, and like, it's something I'm going to like, here's something that matters to me. I'm going to teach it to my kids. Right. Yep. I think every kid should have, you know, not every kid maybe has, um, the, the access to someone who understands some of those things. And it's like, and you know, there's things that other parents have access to that obviously I don't, the knowledge that they don't. Um, so I want to make, like, it's really important for me. Kids learn that stuff, you know, given yep. the tools to, you know, develop because it, it does matter. Yeah, for sure. And I think there are a lot of subjects like that, that we maybe don't need for every student, but there are right. things that we're taking out that we, yep. we could use, yep. but the financial literacy is a common answer on the uh, show. So that's great. Second question. If you were giving a Ted talk this weekend, what would the subject be? Uh, oof, I, you know, uh, I, I, I think it'd be just on, uh, finding your own strengths. I think, I think a lot of times, like I said earlier, we always covet, we always celebrate others. We don't look at ourselves enough. We don't actually take that. And I think there's a, there's a certain place where we have this notion of like, oh, kids are growing up where they're very narcissistic. But I think that um, they might be prou proud of like superficial things, right? Like things that maybe don't matter in the long term. And I think we have to learn to identify what our strengths are, what, you know, what, what we do well, because I think that if you um, do something really well, I actually think it makes the world better. Yep, and yep. I think that that to me is really important. There's like a really great uh, Macklemore lyric and it's like, find something you love and do it in every day and that's how the world will change. Something like that. And that, that to me is like, I, I talk more as a dad than an educator now. Like that's that's what I want my own kids, like them to to know what they're really good at and you know, explore those passions. So if there was a George superhero, what is your, like number one skill set asset. What is your strength? What would I be like? What's like my superpower? Is that like what you're asking right now? What is your superpower? But in real the real world, like you can't. You're not invisible. Uh, hey, you know, I, I think I I think that um, for me, the one thing, and I think you probably understand this a little bit better too, is that doing a podcast makes you like a really good listener. Like it yeah. forces you to learn to listen. Right. And like, especially like how you and I are doing this podcast is very similar to what I do. Like I got some questions, but I just want to talk and build off what you're saying and kind of connect. And that actually takes really good listening. And I think the thing that I've been talking about quite a bit, and maybe this is actually, actually, 
this might actually, I might revise my TED talk answer here too. Years ago, I actually did a TEDx talk and I, I actually don't like it. I like struggle with it now. And it was like, hey, we need to all share our voice. And I, I do believe that, like I still believe that. I think my problem is, is that when everybody's talking, nobody listens, yep, right? Yep. And I think that that's like, we, we've got, it's like we do this in education all the time. We go to like, we are like, hey, like when I was in school, school is super competitive. And now it's like, nope, competition's bad. It's all gonna be collaborative. Well, I actually thrive off some competitive opportunities. And I think a lot of kids do. Mm -hmm. And so like, sometimes you hurt that. So I always talk about like the notion of competitive collaboration. Like how do we push each other while supporting each other? So I think part of it too, just really, you know, learning how to listen is a really important skill that we don't pay enough attention to. Like we really talk about empowering voice, but we don't actually talk enough about listening. Yeah, I love that. I don't know if that's like a, I don't know if that's a superpower. It's something I'm like way more in tune with. Yeah, I think, I think if we had more people who had the ability to listen yeah. and understand with an empathetic, um, compassionate feeling about it, I think we'd be in a much better place in a lot of circumstances that we're currently dealing with. So yeah. I love that answer. Last but not least, you talk a lot about, and you mentioned it earlier in the podcast, that we should be developing student success on their terms and, and facilitating yep. them creating that on their terms. So in your world, how do you define success? And the follow on question to that is when you're successful in education, how is that going to change education? Oh boy. Okay. I get, there's two, there's two hard questions there. Okay. So first, okay. When I talk about student success, I want to just address that first, uh, student success, I, the thing that I always have had a huge issue with is that, so you and I could both say we were totally successful. Our measures of what that is could be totally different, mm -hmm. right? And it's with every human being, every adult human being. Kids, we define that for them, right? Like you say, right. we know our kids are successful to do this. Who says, right? Like, yep. and that that is a, an issue to me. I, I I was just having this conversation yesterday and maybe this is gonna make some educators mad. I don't think every kid uh, can be good at math because I don't think every kid wants to be good at math. And I don't think we need every kid to be good at math. And it's not Absolutely. that I don't think the kid has ability. I think just some people are like, I just like, I don't really care about this. Like, I'll tell you, I have no, I'm not good at science, nor do I have an interest in being good at science, but I think science is really important, but I think there's other people doing this. And like, I remember saying this, um, like, hey, you know, like, I'm not, like, I hate fiction. I don't read fiction. I'm not into Harry Potter. I don't like wizard children, not my thing, right? right. And English teacher's like, oh, how dare you? You're an educator, right? And I remember saying this, I'm like, did you play basketball? No, I said, basketball is like one of the most important things in my life. So why do, we should make every kid play basketball, right? Did you do fine arts? No, I did fine arts. It's actually really helped me become a good speaker, right? Did you do fine arts? And it's like, we're trying to develop every kid to be the same not actually right, right. develop every kid's strengths and passions and help them find success. Right. And I think yep. that's where, like, you know, I believe if you set your mind to anything that, uh, you can be good at it. I am like a big believer in that, but I also tell you, uh, I don't really want to be good at skydiving. <laughs> I'm not going to set my mind to jumping out of planes. Right. And that is some people do that good for you, but I, like, there's some things I just, and I, I love that I have that freedom as an adult, but we're like, Hey, you can, you, you, you can be good at math, even if you don't think you're going to be math. I'm like, well, what if I don't want to be good at math? What if I want to be good at these things that maybe actually have nothing to do with school? Yep. So that to me is like understanding kids don't necessarily have to all go to college. We want to keep that door open if, you know, if that's something they are interested in. But if my daughters want to be YouTubers, 
and they awesome. they can find that too. It's great. And when you kind of go to that, um, the the thing that I've said is that uh, if a lot of people believe that if you're successful, you will be happy. But I have really learned that if I find happiness, that means I'm successful. Those and there is a difference there, right? Because I think when we look at success, we often look at like monetary things. We look at, you know, how we're doing in our career uh, and what that looks like. And there's a third question you had or a second question that you had that I didn't address. So how do you define your success? I, I define my success on being a good dad. That, that to me, I, and uh, I think that that's a really important, I, I, I'm sure I wrote about this at some point. I, I know I've talked about it and that's one of the thing I like, it's rare, very rare. I actually talked about stuff without writing about it first. Cause it lets me kind of like process right. my thoughts. Um, the way we look at success changes over time in our lives. Right. So to me, if you'd asked me like, how, how do you see, see success in 10 years ago? I said, look, I want to be one of the best speakers in education in the world. That's a really important goal to me. Yep. And uh, yeah, like I want to, when I work with groups, I love that. I love being a great, like I want to be a good speaker. I think this is something that I'm gifted at doing and I love being able to share that gift. I want people to like leave when I talk to them and want to go change the world and then go do it, right? That is like a goal for me. And I think I'm still really good at that. But everything that, everything that I did was 100% towards that at that point. And now... I'm more focused on being a really good dad. That that to me is my everything. I still want to be a really good speaker. It's not like that is just totally ignored and I have no outside interest other than being a dad. But I think everything for me somehow leads into being a good father. It leads into me taking care of my kids, making sure that, you know, I do my best for them. And I think part of it too is like, I'm not the perfect dad. I'm not like winning dad of the year awards or anything like that. And I think that's actually an important thing to talk about my kids. Like, Hey, here's how I can get better. Here's what I can do. And I think that shows some vulnerability. I think there's a certain confidence level. I think when you can't admit mistakes, you have, there's a certain arrogance or insecurity, but I think there's a certain confidence in like, yeah, I, I blew that one. And just being yep, able yep. to say it and own it and move on. Right. So I think for me, like how I know I'm successful is if, you know, the more I can do for my kids to, to, you know, let them find their way. Like, like I said this earlier, being a good father is, is my view on how I can make a really huge impact on the world right now through my kids. So I don't know if that's ridiculous to some people, but that's just how I feel right now. When you ask me this question, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Yeah, I love it. And I think that's a great way to end a Humans of Education podcast is focus on that like deep human aspect of being a father, a parent. And I think, honestly, you've got a fighting chance to be dad of the year with the top rope WWE belt coming in, coming right. into play. I think, I think you're in the running. So, you know, dad, don't, don't I sell was, yourself short. Dad of the day. When I got, <laughs> it was dad of the day, right? There's, there's a word for the day I wanted that day for sure. For sure. Well, George, it's been so cool to have this conversation. I think honestly, we could keep talking for a couple hours, but you know, I really appreciate your last on. dance podcast. Yeah, well, we're going to start another. There's, pro there's probably already is one, but we'll do another one. I, mean, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll make sure to link up all of your social media in the show notes, all that good stuff. Anything I should have asked before we sign off? 
No, I just, I, I appreciate the conversation and, you know, I really appreciate and I like all the educators that are listening to this right now. I think it is so important. Uh, it's, you know, it's one of the, it's something that I've always been adamant about is that we have to make those personal connections because like we can't, you can't be at school till 10, 11 every night. Like that's not what we do. And I think that is one of the best ways to connect with our kids is, you know, our students is actually, they see that we have outside interests. We have those connections. Like I'm telling you, if I was teaching during the last dance, the first thing I would have done every morning is said like, Hey, did you see that episode? Let's, let's, let's talk about this. Yep. And I think a lot of people are so worried about those connections. Cause they're like, I got to get through my curriculum, but if kids actually connect with you, right. Everything goes faster, right? The way you get through your curriculum goes faster. People are more invested in what you're doing. But I think sometimes we just get into the content that people don't know if they, you know, anything about you. They don't have that relationship and everything is harder. Right. So I just think, you know, I, I really appreciate the podcast, the theme of it, and really focusing on the human aspect of what we do as educators. Yeah, absolutely. I, lo- I love that as well. And that's why I started it to show that human side and have these connections. And honestly, it's a little bit selfish because I just want to connect with people like yourself and, and have these conversations. So guys, if you like the episode, please give us a five-star review. Uh, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, check it out on YouTube and we'll see you next week.